Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans, and if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. Cake Wallet is trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Juman interviews Henry, creator of TechLore, a media company of sorts that produces informative yet engaging content that promotes privacy tech. TechLore is a tremendous success and win for the privacy tech sector, proving that there is a growing demand for learning about privacy-preserving technology. Doug avoids focusing the interview solely on Henry's overall privacy tech advice since the best way to consume that information is from tech or content and rather keeps the discussion focused on why Henry cares about privacy and where he sees crypto and you guessed it, Monero playing a part in the battle for privacy. Monero Talk starts now. Henry, what's going on man? Not much, you? Not much, not much. Just uh, enjoying another day in crypto paradise, Monerotopia, so to speak. Yep, um, sounds just about right. <laughs> Checks out with what we were talking about. Um, likely a lot of Monero discussions today. <laughs> I, I love the hat, man. I, Thank uh, you. You're you're wearing with with pride. That's that's important. Do you communicate with them, the EFF? Have you? Um, not formally, <laughs> actually. Um, probably something I should do, but. This is just my own money that I donated to them. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah we'll see if maybe we can get one of them to come to the conference that we're hosting in Miami, the Monero conference. That'd What's the cool. date on that? Uh, April 7th. Oh. We'd love to have you too, by the way. Uh, okay. You think you might be that? It's actually during the Bitcoin conference, same week. Okay. So if you're planning on going to that, um, swing by, swing by Monero. It's, it's literally down the block. Is which is that is that the guns and Bitcoin one? No, guns and Bitcoin is after. This is Monerotopia. Oh, but I do like that you're referring to guns and Bitcoin as a Monero conference. Uh, <laughs> well, that's why I was a little confused. Here's to you. They actually, well, they actually uh, kicked me out of guns and Bitcoin because I I was calling it a Monero conference and they got all pissed off. That whole guns and have you been following that closely? Like it, it's interesting, you know. You have you, you have like these different factions in Bitcoin, you know, um, and in crypto, obviously, but in Bitcoin itself, uh, you know, you have the the plebes, and then you have um, like the extreme privacy advocates, which are like the the guns and Bitcoin people, like the samurai samurai wallet, those people. And it's it's just it's just uh, some interesting dynamics there. Yeah, um, you know what? There's already enough of that in the privacy community. So um, if I was to dive into that to the crypto community too, it might drive me crazy. Okay. Just trying to keep up with all the different uh, this versus that's and, and pretty much everything in life. I just have to tune out so much of it. It's um, so ridiculous. It's so absurd that me, the Monero talk guy, gets kicked out of guns and Bitcoin 
when we <laughs> pretty much yeah. align with 99 point like infinitely nine percent and uh that's just like how absurd things get it's very weird that the politics and crypto yeah definitely um i think most people have similar goals so it, it, it's yeah it's a good point i think even amongst different cryptocurrencies most of them kind of strive for the similar goals so it's just interesting to see how much um gatekeeping there is between the different cryptos yeah how do you so how do you look at the whole space um how do you view the crypto space i mean are you coin agnostic are you are there particular projects you're into do you think we're heading to kind of a one coin to rule them all type thing what's how do you view crypto in those terms so actually um jonah our community manager and i jonah and i were talking yesterday about this because jonah is pretty critical of cryptocurrencies and i think cryptocurrencies in this day and age solve problems that fiat can solve as well but it's just realistically not going to happen and i think that cryptocurrency is filling that gap perfectly right now um personally and this is just my personal opinion i feel like monero you're gonna like this monero does pretty much everything bitcoin does but better in my opinion um at least for the things that i value and so it's hard for me to justify having 200 300 6000 10 million different cryptocurrencies out there when i feel like most things can be accomplished with just a select few um, and i think that in part gives the whole field kind of a bad look all right we um, could we could end the interview right there that's all i need to hear <laughs> so that's my personal opinion that doesn't reflect um tech lores or anything like that that's just like my personal take on cryptocurrencies so which which things do you think it's it's doing better that you that you hold to a high regard in terms of what a crypto should be doing? Well, for me right now, it's like on our website, you can just donate to us. I know that's like super simple and it doesn't seem like a big deal to people in the crypto world, but that is kind of unheard of. Like normally you have to go through PayPal, you have to put in your credit card information. We have a way for anyone globally to be able to donate to us. That applies to anyone that just puts an address on their website. Um, and it also requires absolutely no maintenance or upkeep. It's just a string of text. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like the really magical thing about cryptocurrencies that people don't really talk about. Um, it's really easy to get lost into the technical realm of things and how this is better than that. But at the end of the day, the fact that I can send you something that's worth any sort of value because of a string of text on your website, I think is pretty impressive. Um, so that for me is something that fiat just can't replace. Um, the closest you might be able to get is someone has to ship cash to you because you posted an address on your website. Otherwise, you have to get two people using the same ecosystem like PayPal or Venmo or really anything else out there that's going to be centralized. Yeah, no, it's it really is magical. I mean, that that's the power of crypto, right? And it's 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 digital cash. It's digital cash. Um, when did you like kind of have that? understanding when did you uh have that eureka with you know everybody has their kind of crypto eureka what was kind of your path were were you a privacy guy for i mean you seem like a pretty young guy uh were you like in the privacy sector for a while and then got into crypto or did they happen at the same time what was your yeah i think it was kind of mishmashed i think definitely privacy came first and then the crypto scene started blowing up i didn't get into the crypto world until the 2017 boom Oh, okay. um, that's when I learned about, like, I knew about it, but I didn't really get into it until that massive boom happened. Um, and then that's when I started um, understanding exchanges, understanding private keys, understanding um, all the different cryptocurrencies. Um, it's funny, uh, I just did an AMA 
uh, on our cryptocurrency recently and you can choose man i'm not too familiar with reddit but you can choose like a handle mm-hmm. in each subreddit uh, i think it's a flare that's it and okay. um i still had my xrp flare from 2017 oh. and everyone was giving me so much crap for it because <laughs> you know that that was just my like getting into the crypto world um take on things and i was like ah change it right away um so was there a process then to kind of realizing the importance of the digital cash features of crypto or was that like right away when you got into it you're like oh this is what crypto is all about i didn't for me it wasn't a eureka moment i think that since i i am younger for me it was just oh okay this is the thing now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i think it's kind of like um i kind of hate tying it to this but i feel like there's a new social media platform and you're in college and people just say, oh, here's the new platform. You just add us. And you just kind of add it. You don't think much about it. You just do it. Right, right, right. Um, and I feel like that's kind of how it was for me with crypto. It's like everyone, oh, Bitcoin. Oh, okay. Again, this is 2017 me. Very young. First introduction to crypto. Oh, let's open a Coinbase account. Let's see what this is about. Um, and then, you know, I'm starting to get into it and I start realizing how it works. And I think that that's how I learned about just the basics very quickly. Um, and then from there, it's really dialed back, I think, to a more reasonable you know, I pretty much exclusively only use Bitcoin and Monero now. Um, and I really just store it. I don't do much transacting. Um, I don't like to look at it as an investment either personally. So I'm not like trading, trying to do any of that for me. It's mostly just for the use case, which mm-hmm. I wish more people were about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm in it for, for the Liberty. Uh, not so much for the, I've, the everybody said you know for the tech that's kind of like the you know but for me it's 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 the Liberty. Uh, I don't care really what the technology is that's getting us there. Uh, but the end result is I want to be able to have cash in digital form, uh, use it as I wish. Nobody knows when I'm using it. Nobody knows who I'm sending it to. It's just, uh, it's just like this, this magical power that we could, that we could all easily have. Uh, and I think, the, I think the end result will be, um, you know, a better world. Uh, I could see the concerns, um, but overall, I think the end result will, will will be a better world if we're all, you know, using digital cash on the internet and transacting freely without without surveillance. What's what's your kind of philosophical take on that? Because that that is a big question at the end of the day. Will it um, make, will it make things better if we were all using digital cash? Before that, just to respond to what you said, what what you're saying is why I like the Monero community. So from what I've seen. I feel like the Monero community is much more locked in on the use case of Monero. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is this is just what I've seen. I know some of you have seen otherwise, but I've seen a lot less investor-related discussions revolving around Monero than simply, hey, we're making Monero more private. This is why it's better for your privacy. This is why it's better for your freedom and liberty. And so for me, I think that really adds an entirely new outlook on cryptocurrencies and i think it speaks to the genuine use case that monero provides um just because i feel like you don't see as strong of a use case in other projects like brave has its back cryptocurrency why can't they be using bitcoin why can't they be using anything else to accomplish this um but really there's not many things that really try to accomplish what monero does so i think that's something really important um philosophically man i don't know um, it's funny, it's funny talking to, um, and I mean this in the most loving way, my, my boomer dad, um, who's just like cryptocurrencies don't make sense. It's just, you're just making up a number and they're online and it just doesn't make sense. Why, why are we doing this? So for him, it's just like, not, he doesn't want to get into it at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
he is also more on the on the side of like well if everything's anonymous like this is all just philosophical stuff like we can't like at the end of the day we have to have people who build roads we have to have you know a government who can at least you know collect taxes from people or else what are we going to do as a society so um like most things personally i like to fall somewhere in the middle i feel like most things in life would, would be better if um i don't know you try to fall a little bit more in the middle on issues not on every issue mm-hmm. i don't want to want to be like that but i think in this case it's like um i feel like how much you earn in a year if you believe in a government and you believe in paying taxes and you believe that your government has your best interest which not everyone does um but if that's something you believe in then you have to have some way to verify the money you make um which is hard to do but you can do that with monero that's kind of a misconception with Monero. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something Seth talks about. You're able to like privately share certain details about your wallets without mm-hmm. needing to publicly expose everything. Mm-hmm. So it's still possible to have a situation like that. Um, but also, if I'm going to the grocery store, why why does what I buy at the grocery store need to be tracked by anybody? Mm-hmm. It's food. Um, what about my phone plan? What about anything else I buy from my home life? That all should be kept private because I don't see any good reason um, for there to be anything tracked. Now, I know um, there's some automated checks for things, like if you're buying bomb-making materials at a grocery store, um, but that there's ways of doing that without needing to track everyone's purchases directly. You're able to cross-reference different things. You're able to do that on a store-wide basis. Um, so I think that um, it's very easy for the solution in life to be, we need to track everything, but I think it requires a lot more effort and a lot more creativity to be able to go beyond that while still respecting people's freedoms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was a lot of rambling. No, so I appreciate not, your thoughts too. Not, it's not. You just have me thinking a lot of things as you're talking, and I'm trying to remember all the questions that are popping into my head. Um, well, what do you think? Well, like I said, for for me, once again, it's it's all about the liberty, right? So the private privacy is obviously it's it's important to me. Um, I I don't, you know, I, I, I'm an introvert at heart which is, you know, kind of ironic considering I'm doing this show and I, I ran for Congress. Uh, but that's, that's my being is I'm an introverted heart. And uh, I just want, I want my peace. You know, I, I don't want to feel like uh, a government or a corporation is surveilling me or breathing down my back. I want my freedom. I want my liberty. Um, so that, that's what motivates me more with regards to Monero. Like I'm not so, concerned about people seeing my transactions honestly um i don't really you know i know it's a dangerous thing to say but what i'm more concerned about is the data they can collect on me and then how they could potentially use that against me um you know and use it against society as a whole and that's where it gets really dangerous so i'm i'm mostly concerned about tyranny growing out of uh corporate mass surveillance through improved technology and as we all opt into the digital age um and that then there's there's literally no way at some point there's no way out uh you know we've always had a way out uh there's been many psychopaths in the past that have gained a lot of power but the issue is are we going to get to a point where the psychopaths gain power in such a way where we can never take it back uh, we've always had the ability to take it back. So I think it's extremely vital that we have tools that ensure that we have that ability and not not so much rights provided by governments, but tools that are guaranteed to work, even if governments don't necessarily agree with them. Um, that that's That's pretty much where I stand with that. 
I like that. That makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like the option of always having a freedom, a, a route forward. Yeah. Not always having your, your routes blocked. I think that's it. Does like that, that motive, do those arguments motivate you as well? Like when, so you're obviously a huge advocate of privacy. So what, what is your motivation there? Why are you so concerned about protecting your data? Yeah. Um, it's fairly similar. I think over time, um, for me, when I was kind of earlier in the space, it was more so like, oh my God, all these things can be happening to me all the time. And so for me, it was definitely motivated by what can I do to mitigate all of these concerns. Um, and over time, as I've kind of learned how to threat model, I've learned what I can and can't do realistically and really the real implications behind some of those concerns. I've found the new passion, which is just like privacy as an idea and as a um, just basic human right that I feel is constantly invaded. So it's it's more so similar to that on my end because now it's less about um, my personal journey and trying to lock down everything, and it's more about hey, we need to have this discussion. We need to have it in a fair way. We need to have it. We ha we need to have options for people in situations that need privacy. You might not care about privacy, but you still should be caring for at least other people who do because it's a basic human right. You know, it's in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's something that people just seem to ignore because it doesn't impact them, um, which is a very egocentric view of the world. Um, so what what do you think is going to motivate people to start caring about it? So obviously I have my show. I'm out there talking about Monero. You're out there talking about privacy tech. You have quite quite a few followers. So that's encouraging to see somebody like yourself that's talking about this niche topic. Uh, and I think you have like 70K YouTube subscribers. So I look at that. And that actually makes me excited. I'm like, oh, wow, people, people do care about privacy. Um, but what do you think ultimately is going to be like that, that catalyst that pushes people over where they're willing to move away from the convenience of things like, you know, whatever, Facebook and Instagram and, and Venmo and into, you know, the more decentralized privacy preserving versions of those things. Yeah. Well, first, um, it, it's the same on my end. Um, it's always reassuring to see numbers. Um, they kind of tear me apart a little bit because it's really easy to get lost in numbers. Um, but overall, yes, like the, it, we're not even the largest channel, you know, there's other bigger channels out there. And um, so it's cool to see that, you know, it is becoming more of a mainstream topic, even though privacy is commonly used as nowadays, it's becoming more of a corporate term, you know, mm -hmm. oh, we care about your privacy, make sure to read our privacy policy, please accept these cookies. People are kind of associating now with more of a corporate term than like an actual, you know, human right. You don't see companies say we care about your freedom of speech. You know, that's not a thing that's really taken by companies. Mm -hmm. um, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. But um, have you seen jumps in viewership at certain moments in time? Like, yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so um, I on that soon. But I think that it's honestly a gradual transition. Um, I've been uploading to that channel for six years, you know, mm -hmm. and um, there are some jumps, you know, when. Uh, Trump goes out and says, Google did this to me. Our delete Google video gets a massive influx of viewers. Mm -hmm. um, so when people, when things impact people, we see viewership. Um, frankly, not always the viewership I want to see, because a lot of times um, it's things that just that are out of our control. Um, it's because things happen to people when they need a way out. And I wish that people prepped more in advance. Um, but at the end of the day, people don't care until it impacts them. And it's like that with so many things in the world.
Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I feel about climate change. That's how I feel about human rights. People don't care until it impacts them. And yeah. It's really easy to take for granted the things you have in life. Out of, sight, out of mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I think it's slow transition. Yeah, yeah. And you can't, you can't blame, you know, that's the human condition, right? And uh, people, people are living their lives. Uh, they're taking care of their families. They're out there just trying to make money and s- support their loved ones and, you know, get some pleasure along the way. And, you know, it's, you can't really blame them for not stopping to care, um, which that's what, what's, that's why I think crypto is so amazing because it's created this incentive model to get people to care about these things. Cause a lot of it's about, uh, you know, making money, right. Um, you know, they, they, a lot of people are out there talking about crypto and the ways that it can change the world and bring liberty to the world. But really what's motivating most of them is when they look at their account, you know, they put a hundred bucks in and now it's $10,000. They're like, Oh yeah, I love Liberty. You know, I, I love Liberty tech, you know? Um, so that, that's, that's, that was an amazing for me. That's like kind of the most amazing part of crypto. It's like they figured out how to incentivize society to move in this direction of more decentralization. Yeah. I can't say I've thought of it that way. I've always seen, um, the financial incentive is something that gets in the way of the community, Mm -hmm. but, but looking at it that way definitely brings a positive light that I haven't considered. Yeah, I think it's gotten out of head. You know, it's it's uh it's bootstrapped it. It's like the it's the fuel that that runs it, but if you have too much of it, the whole engine just blows up, you know. So like I think you've seen that with we've seen that with Bitcoin with the number go up. So it's amazing in how it's bootstrapped the tech and you have all these soldiers out there literally with laser eyes. <laughs> you know, be I mean? like Bitcoin, Bitcoin, we love Bitcoin. Uh but it's gotten to the point where it's like overdrive now and now you know bitcoin itself is this design decisions and what they do and the way in which the 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 ecosystem moves is based on trying to get the number to go up further and further and i think that's become the flaw uh with with bitcoin uh so it the greed you know got us to where we need to be but then it's i think being focused on too much to the point where uh, they're forgetting about these other features, you know, uh, like privacy and liberty, which may not yield dollars uh, directly. Uh, and it's a little more abstract to appreciate, but they're focused on that in Bitcoin. Do you, do you, see, do you, do you see it that way? Do you see that as, as an issue? I mean, you, you kind of mentioned it, but. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to tie it to an issue. It's just, um and maybe this is a little bit of uh, gatekeeping for me, but I hear people nowadays just, I overhear conversations about cryptocurrency in the real world, mm-hmm. just random people that you would never expect to talk about it, but they're not talking about the technology. They're talking about investing. Yeah. Um. So I inherently see that as a negative. So I, I think that seeing it that way is definitely challenging my, my perspective on that for sure. Yeah, do do you kind of see how like or agree that like Bitcoin is making its decisions based more on how to get the number to keep pumping versus maybe how to keep the you know the ecosystem resilient from being co-opted by governments, things like that? Maybe I mean, I don't know. That's a that's a loaded question. Um <laughs> I feel like I don't have enough um I just don't know enough about Bitcoin. Yeah, didn't need to load it. Just trying to characterize it. Or uh... all, 
explain it better. All I'll say is if the concerns are that Bitcoin will be used as a form of control by people higher up, I would argue this it's already happening or the signs are already there. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you have major corporations, over trillion dollar companies, buying Bitcoin and tweeting about it and tweeting when they sell it and seeing the price instantly reflect because of what they're doing, I think is it's very direct control of the market for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I'm referencing Tesla here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my concern. And that's actually my concern with a lot of decentralized projects, by the way. This 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 is related to, to Mastodon, Matrix, um, really any cryptocurrency project. Mm-hmm. In theory, things are decentralized, but it's very hard to pull off decentralized decentralization in a way that's truly decentralized and not being able to be influenced by the people who are currently in power. Um, and I do think that Monero has more things in place to prevent that. I think there's less things that can be influenced uh, within the Monero community and with Monero itself because of the rich and elite and the, those in power. Um, and not everything is just about price either. So, mm-hmm. um, do, do you think that understanding will start to spread more among the crypto? It's kind of back to the same question, right? So when will people start to care about that? So the same idea is when will people care about privacy tech? When will people in crypto start to care about those aspects and maybe look towards Monero as being the solution? Um, well, if we're looking at history, it doesn't always repeat itself, but it tends to. Um, my guess would be some major incident regarding uh, people's finances being tracked for something completely wrong. And it's going to sprout some kind of massive um, wave of people mm-hmm. who are, are leading the way um, to more cryptocurrencies or whatever replaces the use case for cryptocurrencies. It can be anything. Um, right now, it definitely is cryptocurrencies. I think that's the best option, but it could be anything. Mm-hmm. I think down the road, we're going to see something where um, everyone that you donated to for a political campaign was targeted and, and harassed and used. Um, that happened to me. Actually. Yeah. So. There you go. I think like those are the things that has to happen on like a massive scale to really start a massive movement um, for people to really see the problem and, and do something about it. Um, there's just so many things to, to really to care about in the world. So it, it, your problem just has to be bad enough for, for, for yours to be one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I when I have to tell the story again, but just so you know, so when I ran for Congress um, after it was like six months after I ran, I, I didn't win. Um but we did we did pretty well, better than most expected. All my donors, pretty much all of my donors, uh, received a letter, an anonymous note, uh, with a picture of of me and like my website, and then a picture of ISIS with machine guns, and then a big Monero symbol, and it was like this guy sp- supports you know Monero, which is used by terrorists. Uh, if you ever donate. You know, if you don't ever donate to him again, you won't hear from us. But if you do, you will. Uh, and all the people that donated to my campaign got this letter. And it was, uh, it, you know, it was kind of terrifying um, that, that you know, uh, there's, there's some, some evil people out there and people that will, you know, mis- misuse information and try to take advantage of things. It's, it's, it's very real, obviously. Yeah, it, 100% it is. And, and that's the scary stuff that people, I think, still believe is either not going to impact them because they're, they're such decent citizens or mm-hmm. because um, they just see it as some futuristic Black Mirror episode that's not here yet. 
Um, but the reality is it's here, you know, it's not very hard to pull up voting records for people and who they voted for. This stuff is mostly public info in most states. Mm -hmm. Um, I think California, Texas, and like Maine are pretty good about that. But outside that, most states, if you know someone's name and birthday, you might be able to get their voting records very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just one issue, you know, voting records are one thing. Um, your financial records are another thing. Your address and where you live is another thing. Um, your relationships that you have with people, your friend network, your business network, all these things are data points and they're all slowly being invaded. Um, so yeah, it's a little spooky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's not so much black mirror anymore, right? It's reality. All you gotta do is turn on the TV, you know, turn on the TV, whatever, you know, go on Twitter. I mean, uh, things are getting so bizarre and so, so real. Um, Especially, you know, like a lot of the the response to COVID and how governments are responding to that. Um, there, I think a lot of people's eyes are opening. Uh, and then obviously the surveillance that we're seeing and the censorship that we're seeing, the very real censorship we're seeing with social media, people getting booted from social media, people that, uh, especially, you know, with, with going on with COVID, right? So we've, we've had some big, large, uh, you know, high profile figures that, uh, have a lot of knowledge in that area, whether you agree with it or not, that were booted off of social media platforms because what they were saying didn't go along with the, you know, uh, mainstream narrative. Um, so it's it's becoming shockingly real to people. Do you think people are just going to get used to it, or it's it's getting worse and worse, or are they, are they effectively boiling the frogs well enough where? Nobody's going to jump out of the pot. We're just going to keep going along with it. Maybe they'll slightly turn down the temperature sometimes and then continue continue forward. Or are we going to have those realization moments? Because I'm surprised the realization isn't there yet. Yeah, um, I think it depends on the problem. So I was quickly searching up because I wanted to get the episode right. But on the topic of Black Mirror, um, I just started watching some of them. I've watched a few of them way back in the day, but the one yeah. um, I wanted to rewatch from season one. And so there's the Waldo moment in season two, mm-hmm. season two, episode three. And the Waldo moment uh, had pretty bad reviews. It's like one of the least popular Black Mirror episodes when it came out because it was just so ridiculous. That was like one of the main complaints because pretty much there's this talking bear that they're using as a political icon. And the talking bear is just a TV character. And so they're using his TV character and all he does, he doesn't have any political backing, nothing. He's just there more for fun. And people really like this bear and people are like, this is so ridiculous. Um, and over time, we've seen uh, definitely a rise in this kind of politics as people are sick of politicians. And now that like people are very excited to see someone who may not even have a political background, but they are there to like make change because they're more trustworthy than the politicians in people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched the Waldo moment without seeing the reviews. And I thought it was so well done. I thought it was perfect. And I, didn't, I had to check the date of when it was done. And then everything made sense because it's something that I think when it came out just seems so ridiculous. And I think so many things in our world right now would be seen as ridiculous if we were um, putting our current commentary into the world five years ago. Yeah. You know, if, if we were saying things that, that we're saying today, five years ago, I think everyone would be very... Um, it, we would just, you'd just be dismissed. Mm-hmm. So I do think that a lot of the things that we're that we're talking about are only going to be to resonate more and more with people over time. Um, and that is the silver lining. I think that 
um, in the privacy world, in the Monero community, in the freedom and liberty community, everything. I think that as time goes on, there's it's going to resonate more and more with people. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse, to be honest, um, I'm I'm still mixed on it. Um, I'm always mixed on these things, and it always I always have. Um, I feel like the world is less divided than it feels over the internet. Truly, I believe that. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the, it amplifies the internet. It magnifies, amplifies. It's not, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think the real world is as, uh, as, as crazy as what we're seeing on the internet. In terms exactly. Of- and and so that's where I'm, I'm a little bit like hopeful, a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we could get people face to face again, you know, that's the thing. Everybody is on the. That's where most of the communication is taking place. And then it's like when people get back together, especially now with COVID, right? Like literally, and then people are being separated in the real world. And then when we do get back together, it's like we're, we're seeing our, our real world friends. And it's like we see them less often than our internet friends now. And it's you're now coming with your your opinions. They're coming with ours, theirs. And um, I see what you're saying, but it, it's kind of scary because we're all moving into digital. So like, when are we going to get those, those moments where we can all, you know, remember that we're just humans and agree on everything for the most part. I think meta is going to fix all these problems. No, I think it's, it's, it's very scary actually. Yeah. Um, the idea of moving even more into like a real world in the digital world controlled right. by a company like Facebook. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so that's a very scary thought to me. <laughs> People, oh my God. The other, the other very scary thing too is that, you know, um, it doesn't take that long for people like we're saying people's perceptions are changing of these things, right? Like, so what may have been considered a black mirror episode, you know, a few years ago is, is real life today. And people, you know, we're talking about what moment do people have this realization and say, we're not going to take it anymore. Uh, we don't know. But also what we're seeing is people just happen to go along and get used to it. Some of them, uh, a lot of them. Uh, and then more terrifying is the younger generations that don't know any better and have nothing to compare it to. So as long as you get rid of, you know, people like you and I, uh, you know, then at the next generation, you won't have too many people that will really even appreciate these things from uh, a standpoint where they've experienced them, you know, uh, they, they don't really have anything to even compare it to. Any, any thoughts there on that? I mean, it, it just sounds like a losing battle, um, which is what I normally say. I, I very commonly say privacy is a losing battle. So the very least you can do is try to make friends in the privacy community. <laughs> doesn't happen as much as I'd like it to. Um, but um, you're totally right. And I think that I don't know what can be done about that. All I know is what I can do about it and what people like yourself can do. So um, like what I do for that and for tech lore is we, uh, we have a TikTok account. We hate TikTok. Mm-hmm. Terrible. We hate YouTube too. But like we have these accounts in order to help yeah. reach people in the platforms they're on. And so if you go to our website, if you go on YouTube, any of our platforms, there's no mention of our TikTok. We don't promote our TikTok on any platform except TikTok. And on that TikTok, we share all these other resources that we cover. We talk about the t- TikTok's problems. We talk about what life is without TikTok. We talk about deleting TikTok. We talk about um, better platforms. So um, 
I, I don't know what to do on a societal level, but for people who do have any kind of voice, I do think um, if you have any like availability in your time and bandwidth um, or knowledge, because it requires you to understand some of these newer social media platforms or whatever the newest thing is, um, it's kind of our responsibility to try and go um, cater to those audiences because they're not going to find us, you mm -hmm. know, not always. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a hard thing and I, it's, it's harder as you get older. I'm still young and I'm struggling. Uh, so like, it's really hard to figure out what the newest trends are, um, for the younger generation and what they're doing, what they're using and how to not sound old doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me, like I said, I'm kind of an introverted heart and I am a naturally a privacy advocate. I, I kind of left the internet in many ways, like 10 years ago, you know, after, after college, uh, some of the best years of my, I, I remember I, I misplaced a cell phone, uh, and this was, you know, I don't, I don't know how many years ago, but it, it wasn't as, as vital as it is today. It was, it was pre-iPhone. It was like maybe like a BlackBerry that I had, and, and I lost it. But even then, like it was like because I'm old, older than you, right? So I, I, I remember what it was like to not have any technology, right? I mean, I'm, I'm literally lived during pre-internet, so you know regaining that experience of not being connected was amazing. I lost my, my cell phone. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to reconnect this thing. I'm gonna, and I just left up like my voicemail. And if I was like, if somebody needs me badly enough, they'll just leave a message. I'm like, I just want to feel what it's like again to like not be relying upon this thing. And it's not nearly as bad as it is now. Uh, I mean, even, you know, then it was like, all right, you use your BlackBerry a little bit. And it just felt so good. And I, I ended up doing it for like five months. I mean, it got absurd to the point where like, all right, I got to get, you know, start using my cell phone again. It's <laughs> starting to affect my life. Um, but yeah, we're running, you know, th those moments are becoming more and more rare, you know? Yeah. And it's a balancing act too, I feel. Because um, I, I kind of went through that myself where I was like, oh, deleting everything. All right, I'm going to disconnect. And then I started finding a middle ground. But I haven't had um, until actually very, very recently and even that's debatable. I haven't had social media since like high school. Mm -hmm. um, all of it was gone. Um, recently, I opened up kind of a business personal Twitter, mm -hmm. but it's definitely more business than personal in my eyes and the way I use it. Um, but it, it's hard. Like yeah. you're right. It, it's hard to en envision a world without that kind of stuff. And part of my job is actually like buying devices. Like I don't have any use for iPhones. I don't. But I still buy, like, I have an iPhone right here, you right? Understand so, it. So I can understand it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I work with clients. I, we make videos for, for iOS, people using iOS. Um, mm -hmm. It's very important to have access to these things because we need to educate ourselves on what people are doing and using. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think that helps bridge the disconnect as well because I think there's mm -hmm. a massive, massive disconnect um, on a technical level as well as just an educational level. And I think we alluded to this earlier with... Um, the things that we're passionate about and the things that I guess the mainstream aren't passionate about mm -hmm. Tr trying to explain to a normal person why they should care about privacy is a very difficult task to do. And so um, being able to understand where they're coming from and the tools they're using can really help that help bridge that discussion. I feel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 The ultimate point I was trying to make with that rant is, you know, like, like you now I'm using these tools more so cause I, cause I have to, for what I'm trying to achieve, um do you wish you didn't have to sometimes oh yeah yeah <laughs> so, but when i when i ran for congress it was like it was a pit in my stomach uh because i was like it, i was terrified with you know i had already become not a public figure but i had already started putting myself out there for monero for youtube 
right? Um, and then I was going to run for, you know, when I ran for Congress, I'm like, oh. I'm like, here I am, like Mr. You know, privacy, currency, I don't want nobody to know, you know, what I'm doing with my money. And now I'm going to go be a public figure. It's like, what am I doing? And I had to like spark up the Facebook page that I had from 10 years ago that I, I would log in like maybe twice a year just to, you know, see if I had messages from old friends. And like the whole experience of getting like back on the internet in a, in a way like Twitter, like I had a Twitter account, but it was for lurking, you know, even uh, I had for years, I never even created a Twitter account. I was just like, uh, oh, missed that boat. And I would just like go to the website just to see that because I wanted the information, you know, so whatever information I was looking for on a daily basis, I'd go to Twitter, but never create an account. But I was like, oh, got to create, all, you know, and it just it just drains you in a way too. Uh, as, I, as I'm talking to you and thinking about it, it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a shame, right? Because I'm here pretty much on the same mission you are, right? And we're trying to do these things, but meanwhile, it, you know, we're, we're, we're not escaping it ourselves, right? So in order to fight the fight, you have to, you know, join, get in the arena here. Um, and it's like, you know, is that just, are we just, uh, would it be better for us to just opt out and ignore, you know, and lead by example? What do yeah. you think about that? Yeah, no, um, I, I relate to all of that significantly. People are like, why are you on YouTube? And it's like, man, you think I like using YouTube? <laughs> like, um, there's very good reasons for that. Um, and same thing with Twitter and everything else that we're on. Like, there's good reasons that we're on those platforms. And it's because people are on those platforms. Mm -hmm. You can't, the thing I love is when um, people go, it's ironic to upload privacy, or this is my favorite one. This is because of our delete Google video, our video talking about the process of deleting Google and what to expect. There's people saying it's ironic to post a delete Google video on YouTube because YouTube is owned by Google. And I'm like, is that really ironic? Because where should we be uploading a delete Google video on platforms where people have already deleted Google? <laughs> like, like You're this trying makes... to tell as many people as you can to delete Google. Exactly. So like you should be targeting these these areas. Uh, but the thing is, you're totally right. By targeting those areas, you are now putting yourself in the arena. Right now, there's things we can do to mitigate that, you know, like having TechLore be incorporated helps a ton with that from for myself. But even then, there's just some things I just can't do. And um, it really sucks. Um, I think the number one thing in the privacy world is to make a small splash, right? Mm -hmm. The smaller of a splash you make, the less likely you are to even be targeted. It, it's not actually better privacy, but in our current day and age, it makes a big difference. If no one's ever posted anything on the internet, you're probably not going to be able to find much about them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're actively doing exactly the opposite. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> so uh, me, it sucks. Let me just say, so to anybody who's listening, uh, this would be a good time to, to say that, you know, if they, if they don't know you already, uh, you, you run a channel where you basically give amazing advice on, on what people should be doing to, you know, uh, improve their OPSEC and uh, what privacy tools to use. I just didn't want to go through it because I, I see you have that content out everywhere. So I wanted to talk to you from different angles, but I encourage people to go check out your channel if they want to learn more. Uh, what tools they should be using, and you do it in a very uh, user-friendly and a quick, efficient way. So you're doing a great job on that. I just want to put that out there to everybody. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, so people, so people can know. Yeah, um, 
I don't know, our content's for everyone, whether you're advanced or simple. Um, we spend a lot of time producing our content, so we don't upload as frequently as other people. But um, the reason for that is it's very well produced. You know, it's supposed to be to the point. It's supposed to make a lot of sense. Um, so especially for people trying to get into the privacy world, um, hopefully that we make it as easy as possible for you because anyone can be private um, by their own definition of what privacy means. And that's something else that we're about is like, I feel like I, I'm living the privacy dream, even though I'm online because I'm living by my own threat model. So everything we do is uh, geared around each person's threat model and what they're trying to accomplish in the privacy world. Awesome, man. Yeah, highly recommend people. To, I'm sure most most people listening to this channel already have discovered you, uh, but if not, go check them out for sure. Um, I just wanna go back to kind of your, your Bitcoin story a little bit. So you said you were already a privacy, kind of a privacy advocate when you got into crypto. Uh, so then were you were you kind of looking at Bitcoin with a keen eye in terms of is this a privacy preserving technology or not? Like, were you right away like being like, oh, is this another tool in the toolbox that we could use for privacy? And did you then start tearing it apart uh, when you realized it was on a transparent ledger? Yeah. So actually, for me, it was the opposite. So, again, I, I was not very technical at all back then. I'm still not as technical as I'd want to be with cryptocurrencies, but um Back then, it really was just surface level information that I had back in 2017. And I was actually very scared of Bitcoin because it is, to my knowledge back then, just completely public. Everything oh, you do is public. You knew going in. That, that's in most, don't, you know, most do not enter that way. They, they enter thinking, you know, this is what's used on the dark markets. This is anonymous money. No, for me, it was the opposite. For me, it was like, you know, just all the websites are like, Bitcoin is on the public ledger. This is what it means. You're going to have miners who verify your transactions. And, you know, all the basic surface level info, my first reaction is like, oh, oh, a block explorer. Let's see what's going on. And so I'm like, okay, um, why is a blockchain a privacy tool? <laughs> like, that, that was my first thought yeah. when I saw yeah. it, because I'm like, this seems like anti-privacy. Like, everything you do is now permanently on this blockchain. Permanent record. Yep. And um, I remember we used to upload to DTube, which is like a blockchain alternative to YouTube. And I couldn't delete my videos. And I'm, I'm like, is no one talking about this? So I didn't find that community back then. Um, I couldn't find resources. I couldn't find a community back then. They probably 100% existed. I just wasn't familiar enough with the crypto world to find them. Um, but I remember like talking with, um, with friends because, you know, we were all talking about this stuff and I'm like, guys, like, what if there's a blockchain on everything one day? Like, what if every step, like, what if, what if sidewalks are, are using blockchain technology? So every step you take is permanently recorded till the end of time. You know, it's just like, um, ridiculous, just like mind drifting, but, um, it definitely was not attractive to me. Um, what was attractive is that it, it is pseudonymous to some extent. Um, so the fact that I could just open a random wallet that's not directly tied to me, I think was still a good use case. So as long as I was aware of that, um, I guess drawback, I was still pretty happy with it. Um, but I think most people would be a lot more surprised about Bitcoin if they just looked at a block explorer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like you, you actually have good reading comprehension and you, you understand, you know, as you were reading about Bitcoin, you were, it was hitting you in the face. Most people, it, it just doesn't, you know, it goes right over the head. They're like, oh, but, you know, it's uh, it's private, right? Yeah, and, and um, it's for the dark net. Criminals use right. it. So it must be great. <laughs> what, um, so obviously I take a very, you know, uh, critical view of Bitcoin for these reasons. Um, 
do you or are you more measured with it obviously you sounds like you know you're you're a monero advocate you love what monero you think monero is uh better in bitcoin in in these ways um but do you fear bitcoin for its you know because of its uh innate transparency or do you see that maybe as ultimately not being an issue down the road how do you view that um to be honest i i just don't think i know enough to answer that question just because like um, I know that Lightning Network is attempting to fix some of those problems. I know Samurai Wallet's doing good work and trying to solve some of this. So I just don't know how well those those technologies are are, are. and compared to Monero, I don't know how uh, much adoption they're going to receive down the road. So I just don't think I'm qualified to answer that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obviously, you know, I'm I'm always concerned about. Bitcoin being sold as, you know, this great liberating technology uh, and, and people jumping into it for that reason and opting in uh, when, when ultimately it ends up, you know, being the opposite. And it's like if you had a, if you had to write that that novel, right, it's like that's how things are going to go down. It's not going to it's not going to be that people are are forced into some technology that surveils us 24 seven. It's going to be that they rush into it opt into it and say give me more please where do i sign up definitely um it, it almost reminds me um of the vpn community mm -hmm. like this 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 is privacy and security fixed get nordvpn and then people just rush into it they buy nordvpn because they think it's going to make their privacy and security just so great when it just solves a tiny little problem um out of many um, so it's kind of like Bitcoin, where I feel like um, it might solve one or two problems here and there, but it still has like so many other things that it's not addressing. If not, it's making them worse. Um, that's just a quick analogy I thought of. They're not directly related, but I think that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know how to view Bitcoin going forward. I don't think I'm just in the community long enough to know what the future for Bitcoin looks like. All I know, and I can guarantee you, is that if you use Monero, there is privacy by default, which is not something many cryptos can say, not even Zcash. So that to me is like the reason why if you go to the Techler resources page, um, we do accept Bitcoin as a donation method because we're still open to that. But like we don't recommend it in our resources. All we recommend is Monero. Um, I do think Samurai Wallet is there, um, but we don't actually just list Bitcoin. Yeah, Monero's like crypto privacy for dummies. You know, it's got it's, it used to be a little bit more confusing back in the, you know before there was a nice iOS app and, and Android apps for your phone. I mean, there was there was it took Monero a little bit longer than most cryptos to get to that point. Uh, you know, because it wasn't you know a copycat coin; it was its own protocol. Uh, so in the early days, it wasn't as user friendly. But now it's like there's no excuse, right? Like you download the app; it's as easy as downloading any other app. You just got to get your hands on some Monero. And then once you do use it, there's really there's no extra steps. It just it just works. It works as intended. You give people your address, you send them a you send them an arrow, and you don't have to worry about oh should I have uh, you know split these coins up and done this, take this action, mix them. Um, so I I do think that's an amazing uh, aspect of Monero. Agree, and and I mean privacy by default is one of the easiest ways to improve the whole privacy ecosystem. Um, when you see defaults being offered even better used that are privacy respecting, you see better results. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think it's it's a coincidence that DuckDuckGo is probably the most popular privacy search engine when it's the, one of the default options on iOS and every other major web browser. 
Mm -hmm. You don't see search.me as a default in the iOS settings. You don't see start page. You don't see these other search engines. And I think that's because people have a very easy option to choose DuckDuckGo. And I think it's like that with a lot of things. That's why I'm a big fan of projects that take privacy and make it super stupid simple. Um, I think Signal falls into that boat. I think that Brave falls into that boat. I think the Tor Browser falls into that boat. Those are three projects that I constantly reference as being like, you just download it, install it, and use it. And -hmm. it takes care of most things out of the box for you. They're not perfect tools. I'm not saying that. I know Brave has problems that I'm very passionate about. Signal has problems I'm passionate about. But generally speaking, if the whole world moved to those tools, we would see massive gains in the privacy community. So do you think those are some of the simplest things people can do? to improve their privacy radically? Like what, what would you put as on your list of like, you know, top two or three things any Joe Schmo can do tomorrow uh, where the action doesn't take too much effort. It's not going to really change your lifestyle in a major way, but yet it's going to instantly give you more privacy than you may already have. Yeah. So um, that's a very common question. I'd say the first thing to get started with is just deleting accounts you don't use or need anymore. Right. I think that a lot of these data breaches come from accounts that you don't even remember you opened. So I'd, I'd say it's the first step. If you have hundreds of accounts, which, by the way, is very normal, it's not something you need to be shamed about. Um, lots of the clients I'm work, I work with have had hundreds of accounts open in the last 10, 20 years of their lives. Very normal. Go back, clean it up, put it in the password manager and lock down those accounts with 2FA. I think that's the first thing you can do. Not only is it good for your digital footprint to minimize the amount of accounts you have and the amount of data points on the internet, but it allows you to actually use a password manager, enable 2FA on your accounts, and actually be able to see all of your accounts. If I go to any person on the street and ask, hey, what's your most insecure account that you have on the internet? They're not going to be able to tell me. They just, they just won't. They have so many accounts. So mm. the goal is for you to know exactly where the good accounts are, where the bad accounts are, what you're trying to transition to, just having any sort of idea where your digital footprint currently is. Um, from there, moving to end-to-end encrypted messaging is probably a big one as well, right? I think SMS is a massive thing to avoid. Um, iMessage is fine, though I still would recommend uh, disabling iCloud backups because that's how Apple's able to access iMessages. Um, so really just try to stay into the iMessage ecosystem without iCloud backups. Um, but really, like the king is Signal. Try to move everyone that you can use to Signal. There's other alternatives like Session, Briar, Matrix, uh, Jammy. But um, personally, I find Signal works the best for people I know in real life. And I think switching your browser and search engine are the last two things. You know, if you can switch your browser from really from anything that's not Google Chrome. If you're moving from Google Chrome to Firefox, Google Chrome to Chromium, Google Chrome to Brave, Google Chrome to Tor Browser, I think those are all massive improvements. Um, which, by the way, most people haven't done. Google Chrome still has a major monopoly in the browser industry. Awesome. Um, and then the search engine as well. You know, awesome. anything that's not Google. It can be Start Page, Brave.Search. It can be DuckDuckGo. Really doesn't matter as long as they have somewhat of a focus on privacy. If you do those things, you're ahead of 99% of the population. You know, and it doesn't take much. All those things I listed, um, with the exception of the accounts, because that's like a multi-month-long journey for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the accounts, I'd say the other ones are a really great bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just changing a search engine, installing a browser, and installing a messenger. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great advice. How do, how do we get Monero on that list? Do you think we ever get to that point where it's like, oh, and, and another no-brainer, uh, you know, download Cake Wallet, you know, 
start using Monero, uh, you know, use it to, to buy gift cards anonymously to make your daily purchases. Like, do you think we get to that point where it's, you know, that becomes a user-friendly option for improving your, your privacy overnight? Well, that's what sucks about crypto. I think it's there, you know, cake wallets, stupid, easy to use too, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but it's the adoption. It's exactly, it's the adoption. Like we can say that, Sure, we can be like, hey, and also download Cake Wallet alongside Signal. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like, there's only so many websites that are going to actually let you use Monero to buy anything, mm -hmm. um, especially in real life. You know, it's it's already bad on the internet, but it's especially bad in real life. We're pretty. Um, I must say, we're pretty close now. Though, I mean, there's a lot more to be done. But like, if you want to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Coin Cards. You're familiar with Coin Cards? No, I'm not. Like a, a gift card, you could buy gift cards with crypto. So essentially, you could buy gift cards anonymously with Monero. Uh, you know, you it's could pretty you, cool. you could use a new email because what's that? One of those services that you have mentioned where it's like an email. Simple login. Simple login. You use simple login. You know, uh, new email address every time, and just send some Monero, and now you're buying Amazon gift cards. So like. That's kind of like 98% of my, my shopping right there, you know, because then I even get my groceries from that and like they're integrated with Whole Foods. So like, it's like pretty drastic uh, change overnight where you could live off of crypto anonymously. That's very cool. I didn't know this existed. Yeah. I'm on their website now. I'm definitely going to keep it open and uh, try it out. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, good no, Good one to know. It's a good workaround. To not have to have every. Hopefully, it yeah. stays like that, and hopefully, then it just improves where we don't have to rely on coin cards. But eventually, you know, we're we're using other. Uh, you know, it's just being accepted elsewhere. Yeah, and and actually, thanks for bringing up simple login. I think if I was to give like two bonus tips to people, I think simple login that and is. um, it's just a fantastic tool, right? Mm -hmm. Like like email addresses are just so commonly found in data breaches. So if you're able to pretty much use any other email address for every account, it's, it's fantastic and it's so convenient. And it's the kind of thing where I recommend to people, even for a non-privacy point of view, mm -hmm. which I think is another point. Like we need to make tools that I think are fun and um, polished and uh, better than the actual tools that they could be using. Mm -hmm. You know, like there are some things that Signal does that are better than WhatsApp. Um, not many, but I think there are some things that I go, hey, Signal actually does that better than WhatsApp, which makes it in this scenario actually better than the mainstream alternative. So the more that we can get these open source uh, projects to be better than their mainstream alternatives, which is a very, very uh, hard thing to do, the, the better. Mm -hmm. um, simple login and privacy.com both accomplish similar things. Privacy.com, though, would be more for debit cards and credit cards. So if you're not able to um, use Monero or you're not able to get something like coin cards, I think privacy.com is a really great way to be able to essentially mask um, your debit card transactions on different websites. Um, so it's kind of a middle ground. I, I, I look at it as a middle ground between just using your debit card on every website and getting to use Monero. Mm, it'd be cool if they somehow integrated Monero. Um, they might, but they're like, that's the problem. Um, it's a transfer of trust. So privacy.com links to your bank account. So it's very personal. So even if you could use Monero, it's still tied to your personal identity. But, but you're basically just so I understand. So it's, so I could check out anywhere with privacy.com. Obviously they have access to my bank account, but then the, the vendor isn't seeing, you know, what payment type I'm even using. It's just being paid by privacy.com essentially. Exactly. So it would use privacy.com. You can put in any name, any address, and mm -hmm. um, you ch check out with a normal Visa debit card. So they give you a Visa debit card and you can make it a burner card. You can make it a um, 
vendor specific card. Mm -hmm. So like if you pay your bills through your utility bill, you can make just a utility card that you can set a monthly limit to be $200 and then um, your utilities will automatically go through that every month. And it could be under a different name if you wanted to. Mm. Um, obviously, check how legal that is for the utilities example. But um, for any other example, like that's normally what I use privacy.com for. That's how I order things online very easily. So, but like I said, so do they accept crypto? Because that could be, right? Because now you're basically can pay with crypto anywhere through privacy.com, uh, not linked to your bank account, but maybe you're just funding it with, with crypto. They don't. Um, and I honestly don't see them doing that just because I feel like they probably have to, to really stick with some strict regulation there. Right. Um, so we'll see though. And I think there's no risk in asking and pushing them, mm -hmm. but, uh, that's yep. something that would be awesome and would make it for me really a perfect tool. Right. There's, there's, there's regulations. Uh, there's the reasons why they're, they're not doing that. <laughs> um, great stuff, man. Great stuff, by the way. Um, so what do you think? Oh, the I was just writing out a note here because you mentioned Signal. Are you familiar with the the fork of Signal where it's being Roy? built? Yeah, the 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 where Monero will be integrated into it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Signals. I think that's great. I think Molly's great. People use Molly. Signals just one of those things that I think that like, I just want to stick to the official thing. Mm -hmm. It's not something I'm looking to mess around with forks on. I want the official signal. I think that it's the safer recommendation for people, at least until Molly is um, a little bit more, you know, official. And I think that we can see some audits come out of Molly, which they might have. Don't don't quote me on that. Um, it's just that we see personally for me, like people are emailing us all the time. And it's pretty much every week that we see some fork of something that we recommend. And mm -hmm. so we have to have some kind of vetting process because a lot of these forks die within a month. Um, not that Mo Molly's been around for a good while. So it's definitely one that's stuck around the longest. But it's the same thing with Session, you know? Mm -hmm. Session was has been around for a good while, and we really like to be careful with the recommendations we give because a lot of these forks um, have drawbacks or they don't live very long. And so we have to make sure that we're mm -hmm. giving top-notch recommendations. But I think it's great what they're doing. Yeah, and I love that they're integrating Monero right into it. So that that could be interesting. Uh, and, and not just a Monero knockoff like Signal. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know why that guy, that guy Moxie, uh, you know, like, you know, he's, he seems like so passionate about this stuff, once again, from kind of a liberty standpoint. And uh, yet he decided to, you know, try to try to pump some coin along the way. Kind of disappointing. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe there was a very good technical reason that they chose it instead of mm -hmm. Monero. I just wish we got that explanation, which we never did, which makes me right. think there was no good reason. Because um, if they came out and said, hey, these are the problems with Monero and why we can't use Monero, so we had to use essentially a fork of Monero um, that integrates these different technologies, it's like, okay, sure. But I feel like we didn't get that explanation, at least a yeah. very good one. And um, it's strange, too, because did you hear that Moxie just left? as CEO. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think uh, yesterday or the day before. So Moxie uh, just uh, left CEO. They have a temporary CEO right now. So um, I don't know if that has anything to do with mobile coin because I know Moxie was very much involved with the mobile coin development. So, okay. Why uh, were they coming down on mobile coin or something? Regulators? or you're... Oh, I don't, I don't think there's anything to do with that. Okay. Um, it's just, I don't know. We have to follow it to see what Signal does. Hmm. I would. I was trying to get him on the show. I would love to get him on the show. He's the interesting character in this. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
what would you say because you're obviously you're really good at promoting privacy tech uh like we're saying you know you have like 70 plus thousand subscribers i love your videos they're very succinct and like you know entertaining and and informative at the same time what do you think the the monero community can be doing to improve its ability to to market itself that's a good question um i don't inherently think i'm doing anything better than the entire monero community I think there's some people in the Monero community that do things a lot better than I do. Um, just a perfect example, like the way that Seth handled his opt-out podcast. Mm -hmm. It has been like a really big inspiration for me and in some interviews I want to do down the road. Um, I think that uh, Justin, man, he's going to hate me if he watches this and I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, it, do you want to say it? Ernhofer. I, I there we go. That's all right. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Justin. Um but some of the, like the way that Justin interacts with the community in, in a very um, uh, polite and empathetic way, I think is also something that like I, I learned from. So I don't know. It's a very hard question for me to answer because I feel like there's things that I do better. And I think there's things that Monero, some people in the Monero community do better. And I think it's just going to vary a lot. But I think that if there's one thing I've seen, it's that um, there's a lot of technical discussions around Monero. Mm -hmm. And I think for people like myself in the privacy community, we don't care. We just want something that we can, we know if you tell us this mm -hmm. is deep private by default mm -hmm. and we have absolutely no evidence that anyone's able to compromise your transactions between person A and person B, we're happy. So um, just like really boiling it down to that, the use case of Monero, right? Mm -hmm. Just boiling it down to the use case of Monero and why people need it and why people want it, I think really is, is the key takeaway. Um, and we're kind of guilty of uh, adding sometimes more nuance than required as well, but just it's something I can work on too. And, and focused on the, you know, what the technology is providing, not so much, you know, what's behind the tech. Yeah. And you know what? It's a hard balance to strike because I've definitely been more on the like, well, Signal's a great messenger. Um, if you have this threat model, however, if you have this threat model, you need to consider the fact that Signal requires a phone number, uh, but, but you don't have to use your genuine phone number, and here are several phone number opportunities. Here's the pros and cons to phone number option A. Here's the pros and cons. To, so we can, like every tiny issue, we can keep nailing it further and further down. We can add as much nuance as we want to this, and um, we do get nuanced a lot, and I think over time, um, it sucks because the people who aren't nuanced get the attention mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's hard because there's people out there who will just say signal bad delete <laughs> signal and they're the ones who are getting all the attention and i'm like no signal is not bad signal has valid criticisms but it's overall like state-of-the-art technology that you're just totally totally ignoring right and yeah. it's like that with a lot of tools it's hard to be nuanced and still have people's attention oh yeah impossible pretty much impossible. <laughs> it, it, it sucks uh, you know that's why you have like mainstream media and you know and then you have those that try to do it the right way and it ends up being niche. Yeah. Um, I hate it. it. It's, it's so hard to, to strike yeah. that balance. Well, you, so. you do, you strike that. What? That's what I was asking. Cause you strike the balance very well, man. So, uh, you know, kudos to you and people should, uh, anybody who's watching that's trying to strike that balance for maybe making something Monero re related in terms of media, uh, you should go check out his videos. He does a good job. We're, where do you think we're ultimately headed with, you know, kind of this, this battle, this war with regards to protecting our data, 
at the fact that corporations and the power that be are, are gaining more abilities to 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 track and trace our, our every movement and every transaction and whatever it may be. Uh, do we ultimately come out on the other side with more privacy in the digital age with things like cryptocurrency or is is you know what 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 is your kind of honest prediction of, of how this all ends up i haven't put much thought into it um yeah i haven't really put that much thought into it you know like I'm what sure where the question yeah yeah wh where the privacy world will look like in five years um what i will say is it's a very hard issue to address um this is very personal opinion section here i feel like the only thing unless we got and we banded everyone together i feel like the easiest way to take care of um the company issue right the companies going after our data is for government regulation Mm -hmm. which I know is going to be extremely unpopular in the, in the Monero community. Um, I know there's a lot of libertarian beliefs there, um, but I feel like that would have been the easiest way to deal with that problem. The problem is these companies are more powerful than the governments right now, in my opinion. You know, you see these, you see the amount of lobbying being done against the government and you see um, the amount of power these companies have. They can do essentially whatever they want, as long as they don't pull the strings too hard. And over time, they can really get away with a lot of things. And so it's a very difficult issue to deal with because the people who we're supposed to have trusted to keep us safe aren't keeping us safe. Um, and they're essentially allowing these companies to gain further and further power and be able to reclaim what they believe is theirs. Um, so I don't know. I, I, just, I don't have a great answer to it. I'm very pessimistic. I feel like there's always going to be privacy tools. So I think people that want privacy at least for the next decade or so, are going to have that option. You know, if you want to hide your, your debit card transactions, you can still go to the store and get a prepaid debit card. You can go to coin cards and pay with Monero. I feel like we're always going to have these tools, at least for the foreseeable future, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it's only going to get worse in regards to the defaults. Um, I am optimistic about things like uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act you know, and, mm -hmm. and GDPR. I feel like these are great steps in the right direction, which I also find funny because I feel like people, um, again, getting a little political, I feel like people who are very anti-government are very pro-CCPA, pro-GDPR. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's hard to, to, to be on both sides of those coins. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like like everything, there has to be some kind of middle ground. And I feel like in this case, those types of regulations are only there to help people. Um, as long as they're not doing, you know, as long as it's not tacked on with anything dangerous. But I think that things like CCPA are fantastic. And I think that we need to see more of that. It makes me very grateful to be in California when there's something like CCPA here, personally. Um, again, very opinionated, very personal belief. No, no. That, but, why I asked you? I was looking for an opinion, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, and then how about crypto? So do you think crypto will be a savior or it's not going to be as remarkable as we're, we're wishing for in terms of preserving our liberty in the, in the digital age? Well, I see it similarly. I think if there was a magic bullet to the privacy problem, we would have fixed it, the pro fixed it by now, you know, um, even if we had the perfect solution to end privacy problems, I think that enough people would, would have hopped on it by now and we would have done something about it. Um, I think that specifically Monero solves the massive problem of uh, financial privacy. 
but just using Monero won't inherently fix what you upload to your Facebook account, you know? Um, so I think that cryptocurrencies are definitely going to be around. I think the biggest risk to cryptocurrencies, and this is the, the backhand of what I just said, the biggest risk to cryptocurrencies is governments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, any kind of like outright ban of something like Monero would dramatically hurt the project. Um, obviously, it's extremely hard to even comprehend how they would do that because it's a decentralized you know, open oh, source oh, yeah. I mean, project. effectively do it. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. won't be able to stop it. I mean, they can... They could pass some law, uh, but yeah, whether that law is actually effective would, you know. Exactly. Like, it's it's really hard to stop that train, which I think is really, like, the powerful thing about Monero, which is what's not very powerful about some of the other cryptocurrencies out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think those are my thoughts. I, I, I awesome, man. Yeah, I, I think that crypto is here to stay. I think that it serves a very valid use case. I don't think it's the magic bullet, personally for for liberty but i think it's hard to have liberty without them so i think they're just a very important piece of the puzzle amazing man thank you so much and uh, i appreciate you kind of putting up with this interview since it wasn't the typical you know what are, what are the best tools to use because I, I was listening to a bunch of your other interviews and uh, i wanted to focus it more on monero and crypto and i appreciate you allowing me to do that no i loved it no that these this was a great discussion it's one of my favorite ones so um, thank you man yeah, yeah. I, I like talking about Monero. Um, we're just not asked about it very much. So awesome. very nice. Uh, maybe we'll see you down at Monerotopia. That'd be amazing. Uh, you know, let's let's uh, communicate a little bit about that. I would love to uh, have you down there. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, no guarantees, especially with um, everything still crazy right now in the world. But okay. um, we can definitely keep updated. And I'd like to be able to go to something like that. Awesome. Um, yeah. Do you want to just tell people one last time where they could find you, follow you, consume your content? Yeah, so um, our website is techlore.tech, or if you go to YouTube or Odyssey, or if you go to Bitcoin TV, I know, it's a Monero podcast, but uh, (laughs) our our instance is Bitcoin TV. We still talk about Monero on there. It's very open to other cryptocurrencies. but all of those different platforms, you can watch our content. We post a lot of video content. It's really aimed for people to take their privacy back in a very easy, convenient, and safe way. Um, we have some resources on our website, like uh, we have Plexus, which is an open source project, which pretty much tells you what apps do and don't work on de-Googled Android ROMs. So if you're looking to switch to a de-Googled phone, that project will help you a lot understand the um, apps that will and will not work with that. And uh, we did recently shut down consulting, so that's no longer a thing. Um, And we also have amazing communities. So if you want to be around other like-minded people, we have a matrix room. And in the matrix room, you can find a lot of people who are very passionate about privacy and security, and they can help you along that journey. So techlore.tech, you can like it. You you don't have to like it. I don't really care. If you don't like our stuff, then um, there's a lot of other great resources out there. I'd check out privacy guides. And also on our resources page at the very bottom on our website, you'll find other external resources for other people and their thoughts on privacy. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cheers. You too. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an Alexa device, you can tell it to listen to the latest episode of the Monero Talk podcast. Go to monerotalk.live slash subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. 
If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.